Hi, this is Fred Van Lente of Action Philosophers and Combo Comics fame, and you are listening to Nerd Culture Podcast. Episode 11 of the New Culture Podcast. I'm your host, David, and with me are the NCP crew, Richo. Hey, hey. Crystal. Hello. And Luke. Greetings, cultural lights. New Culture Podcast is a fortnightly Australian podcast that focuses on new culture-related film, comic, and book reviews with a healthy dose of opinion thrown in for good measure. Mainly my opinion, which is the most important opinion. Not only do we have the podcast, we also have our website at www.nerdculturepodcast.com. <laughs> No, I'm just uh, I also kind of like I kind of like the others' opinions. No, I'm, I'm just, just waiting for a break of pause to say this, you know, all important piece of information. Dave, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> On our last episode, he actually gave us a bit of his God-given acting ability, and I'm just disappointed that we didn't get it this episode. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Proof that God doesn't. Uh, it, t- it took it. It took it all out of me. I, I don't know. It's taken me two weeks to recover. Uh, so we also have our website, www.nerdculturepodcast.com, which features additional content not found on the podcast itself. It's got some cool stuff, including our new feature, which is show notes for the episode. That's right. Dirt Culture Podcast, now with study notes. <laughs> study notes. <laughs> That's cool. Sound like, sound like Turd Culture Podcast. <laughs> so let's get the ball rolling with Popcorn Junkie. For this installment of Popcorn Junkie, we're going to be reviewing In Time. It's the latest film from writer-director Andrew Nichol, who previously did Gattaca, uh, Sim 1, Lord of War. Uh, it stars Justin Timberlake, Amanda Seyfried, Cillian Murphy, and a bunch of other people. Now, unfortunately, Luke and Richo were unavailable to view that with us. We actually saw it last night. Uh, so it's just going to be myself and lovely crystal just us just us giving you our opinions so I apologise for all the uh, harshest critic in the world fans but uh, Luke has not seen this film yet and all the Richo fans (laughs) and of course all the Richo fans but let's face it mainly they're just all crystal fans (laughs) I don't think so okay so basically the plot of End Time is it's set in the future where uh, people are genetically engineered to live to 25 and then once they hit 25 uh, an internal clock starts which has a, like a cool clock sort of thing on their left arm uh, which is the one year to live and then currency is time so whatever you purchase you need to use that year to use and you gain extra time by working and whatever it's not fully explained the other ways to get it just by being rich yes by being rich inheriting it from yeah I don't know. Rich parents. The whole time economy thing, it's a play, It's a major plot in the film, but it's yeah. not really explained all that well. So, I mean, the, the, the world is split into time zones and uh, certain classes of people live in different time zones, which is not dissimilar to now, I suppose, but you mean, you've got the, the super rich time zone and then you've got the other time zones. And it's not illegal to go from time zone to time zone. It's just you have to spend a ridiculous amount of time in order to get 
to the other time zones. So, for example, one of the one of the border crossings was one year of time, which of course the normal person wouldn't be able to afford because they only get a year to start off with anyway. That's right. It's a cool concept. So, if you listen, but if you listen to uh, Harlan Allison, it's it's one of his concepts uh, taken from uh, uh, was it Repent Harlequin. It does. It does have a Harlan Ellison feel about it. It does, yeah. And then uh, some would say bastardized for for Andrew Nichols' writings. So yeah. I'm not sure you'd want to lay claim to it. Yeah, I mean, Repent Harlequin's an awesome story, but uh, the film, I don't know, Harlan, say don't worry about it. You don't need the extra dough. It's not worth not worth the legal battle because you don't want to actually have any claims to the. You know what this name, your name on this film. Maybe he started before he'd actually seen it. Yeah, yeah, well, I would say so because he actually tried to stop the film from happening. Right. Yeah. Um, so Andrew Nichol, as I said, for uh, Gattaca and Sim One, um, Gattaca is brilliant. I mean, Gattaca for me is a four point five look yeah, film. I, I mean, it's absolutely brilliant stuff. And then what happened? It's it's like all these talent just disappeared. Sim One's terrible. Lord of War is terrible. Uh, he wrote the Truman Show, which is excellent, but he didn't direct it. But I mean, this this film just. Uh, does not add any esteem to his name. It had the potential to be a 4.5 film. Yeah, the concept was 4.5. The concept definitely 4.5. The execution, not so much. Yeah. So, uh, just uh, we sort of we, we digress, but uh, so back back to the plot. You have your your main character played by Justin Timberlake, um, who's Will Salas, who uh, is accused of stealing some time from a rich person, and uh, is then chased by the the timekeepers. Who are the the police, and uh, he's at you know eventual adventures. Uh, he uh, his mother dies, which is no plot spoiler because it's in the preview, <laughs> and uh, and uh, he then goes on a you know a, a revenge rampage, uh, much like Gully Foyle. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. The more you talk about the plot, the more interesting the movie actually sounds. I know. Explaining the plot makes the film actually sound pretty cool. I mean, when I when I first heard about this film, like I said in uh, one of our coming scenes, I was quite interested. I mean, it was a, an excellent concept, yep. visually quite cool, in, in, at least as far as the preview went. And uh, I've got nothing against Justin Timberlake as an actor, so I, I was cool with it. I was prepared for a good night out. Even with his effeminate voice. <laughs> His voice is fire. Slightly effeminate voice. And if I hadn't been with uh, with Crystal, it would not have been a good night out. Well, ditto. <laughs> if I hadn't been out with me, it wouldn't have been a good night out. So, <laughs> <laughs> so as we said, Justin Tim Blake uh, plays the main guy. Uh, Amanda Seyfried. I don't know if you pronounce it that way, but bad luck. Um, from you know multiple stuff. They're actually, funnily enough, they're in the same movie, Alpha Dog, together, but not in any of the same scenes, as far as I'm aware. So. Dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can hear the dog in the outside. Uh, also stars uh, Cillian Murphy as the main timekeeper, uh, and also it has a couple of uh, interesting cameo type roles. Uh, it's good to see Johnny Galecki getting out there and having a non Big Ben role, stretching his acting wing, wings, and proving that he can't act. Uh, <laughs> I'll disagree. <laughs> uh, Olivia Wilde is um, as Justin's mum. It's a, it's a very interesting, as part of the concept is that because you, you only live to 25, you, you therefore don't age until you die. So you're 25 forever, basically. So the only people you see in the film are 25-year-olds, or actors pretending to be 25, yeah, some of them and younger. Older. Yeah, so it's, it's quite interesting. So Olivia Wilde, so when you, when you first meet Olivia's character, you assume that it's his, you know, his lover or his girlfriend, or in any other type of film, that's who it would be, really. 
Um, but of course, it's his mum, and she's actually like fifty. It's uh, it's it's quite jarring when you first see it, but kind of cool. It's yeah. uh, it's interesting. And she she was one of the better actors in the film, but I, I felt that some of the actors that were meant to be older didn't quite act their age. Yeah, it's kind of hard to act like a hundred and fifty year old person when you're not when you never still, had that experience. Yeah, when you still look twenty five and feel twenty five. Yeah. I guess. So referring to uh, Vincent Carthiza, is how you pronounce it. From you know Connor from Angel and of course from uh, the guy from Mad Men, um, yeah. So he's he's like 150 in the film. It's like he's mega yeah. mega rich and and he well, just he can't pull it off. But no, you have to. I mean, that would be a hard thing. It to can do. be done. I mean, the, you look at David Tennant when he's the Doctor. Sometimes he just looks like he is. He's 900 years. <laughs> so, but I guess it's, it's difficult. And also a uh, a role for um, I am Number Four's Alex Pettifer as uh, some sort of time mobster type guy. Um, one, one of the better roles, but still pretty poor acting performance. Most of them are pretty bad, actually, except for Olivia Wilde. I think they're actually pretty ordinary. Well, I think he did all right. I just think the character was so cliched that, that it just it just got turned off. Talking about cliché, this film's full of them. They're just everywhere. Yeah. So predictable, so many plot holes. Well, so predictable that the annoying 10-year-old sitting in front of us knew what was going to happen. Oh, no, the two annoying kids in front of us who would not be, be quiet predicted things that were going to happen. I mean, that's pretty scary. Well, I won't spoil, I won't I won't give you a spoiler, but at one point they went, he's dead, and it turned out, yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> two seconds later. Um, so visually, it was uh, really not that interesting. I was, it was kind of odd. I mean, you had the, uh, the poorer type areas that are all... You know, you know, dirty and grey and brown, and then you had you know the richer type areas where they were all, you know, blue and grey and clean and all sort of stuff. But well, funnily enough, everyone still wore black. That's true, but and it was still, I mean, it was still kind of lazy. I mean, it was, all, it was very predictable production, and uh, I was not intrigued at all. I did like the cop cars. They were kind of retro seventies cop yeah. show cars, but. They look like uh, they look like the car from um, Supernatural, like the Impala or something. Yeah. But they all look the same. Matte black colours. Matte black, yeah, yeah, with the lights and stuff. Well, the light at the top of the windscreen, surely that would blind you as you're driving. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, the cars were, I suppose, were okay, but yeah, everything else, pretty ordinary. All the time creepers, all the timekeepers had, uh, you know, the cool Matrix jackets. And, yeah. I don't know. It was just very predictable, very uninspired. Um, I mean, it was very much the, the good guys wear white the bad guys wear black sort of style and some of the some of the camera work uh yeah we'll st- i'll start with a good one uh olivia wilde's death uh very well done very very cool um we, we knew what was going to happen obviously because we've seen the trailer but still looked really really it was just really really good well, and well acted well, uh, although justin failed a little there i thought oh yeah justin's performance obviously not that good but <laughs> what can you do um but then the rest of it very, I mean, it, it ranged anywhere from you know uninspired to downright pathetic. I mean, there's actually even a shot that is straight out of Bad Boys that I just I, I couldn't believe it. I actually had a reaction during that. I just I was like I was blown away by just how annoyed I was. I was like, why, why it have was, this shot? I mean, it was you know the camera angled up. He was visibly he was visibly repulsed. It was just terrible. <laughs> but you know, what can you do? So like you said, the, the concept was good, uh, but the story was generally quite bad. Um, I mean, it started off okay. I mean, it was, you know, it, it did what it did uh, until we got to one particular point. No, I think it, it started off okay. It might have been about a three at this point until it got to where they broke into their first vault 
and then took a nosedive from there on. It was just cliche after cliche and bad plot device to get to the next point. Mm. So as explained in the trailer, he uses he uses his uh, ill-gotten time to then distribute it to the poor, sort of Robin Hood style. And uh, the but first the first time bank that he breaks into. But the worst security of any bank I've ever seen. Yeah, where are the security guards? And why is the door to the vault wide open? Wide open. All you have to do is just you don't don't have to. Oh, I won't spoil how they got in, but they didn't really have to do that. They just have to bust in and jump over the counter. At various points in the film, when they're uh, robbing banks, they just they just walk in, take what they want, walk out. Nobody says anything. <laughs> it's terrible. I, I did observe that maybe it was because the society got to a point where they didn't expect people to actually do that, so the security was rather lax. But uh, that's that's being generous, I think. Yeah, there's some weird thing about uh, how the people with time don't want to risk it because the only way to die is to die in, accidentally. You know, accidentally, so you can't die naturally anymore. So people don't really do anything crazy anymore, like you know, absorbing or bungee joking or yeah. <laughs> so whatever the case may be. Um, but even then, no. It's, it still doesn't explain it. And that would mainly be the rich people who, you know, the rich people are, are so stagnant that they don't want to, they don't do anything yeah, dangerous. Well, well, they make the point in saying... But the poor that, people, surely you'd make the risk. Well, they make the point in saying that the... Well, they could tell that he wasn't from that area because he moved too fast yeah. when, when he went to the rich people's area, and the uh, the rich people move slower. But yeah, but that's no different in the in the poor area. Yeah, like the poor, I mean exactly. the poor people still. I mean everybody still sleeps. So it's one of there's one of the things I couldn't get is that everybody still sleeps like a full you know six to eight hours. Why? There's no sense of urgency. No sense of we've no. only got a certain amount of time, so let's do as much as we yeah. can. That's right. Yeah. So they they all you know they all live day by day, and it's all very literal, very day by day. Yet people still just stroll around. I mean, why are they not running everywhere? And the constant references to time. It's like every every time cliched statement in the book. I don't have time for a girlfriend. Who has time for this? Yeah. You know, see I'd you sometime. You, I'd say you might. I'd say it's your money or your life, but it, it your money. You, is your life? Oh, it's just. Oh. So why would he say that? I mean, it, obviously, society's been that way for a certain period of time. So we're supposed to have been there for like 150 years at so, least. So, money or your life? The saying itself probably would have died out by it's, then. It's pretty poor dialogue. So that's pretty much it in a nutshell, really. I mean, uh, we weren't impressed, which is a shame because I, I really wanted to be impressed by this film. Um, it really is nothing more than just a a weird Bonnie and Clyde sort of style. Yeah, the film is. Well, did, did it, you made the comparison before with um, Robin Hood. I think that would have been more uh, uh, better to run with than this Bonnie and Clyde comparison. Yeah, it's, it was terrible. Oh way. Oh, and just one final note. Uh, Cillian Murphy's character, the the timekeeper guy, it's he basically just had just no arc at all. I mean, and he yeah. just he dies in such a crappy way. There's just no. I just. It was really annoying. And the, the more, most annoying thing about that is there were elements in the story that could have been fleshed out to give him more of an arc. Totally right. Yeah, totally right. There was just missed opportunities. Yeah. Like uh, like um, main character's father's subplot, which went nowhere and yeah. meant nothing. Yeah. yeah. Which, uh, I, I feel like this movie was based it seems like it was based on a long story and it's been compressed so much that they had only a certain amount of time to get it done in and so they've used the flimsiest of pretext to just keep moving it along totally agree to to finish it on time totally agree 
So uh, that's pretty much it. Ratings? Uh, two weeks. Yeah, it's no more than two. Yeah. If if it, it stayed at the same level as it was at until it got to the point where they burst into the first vault, it might have given it two and a half, maybe three if it had gotten better, but not two. So there you have it. In time, we have consensus. It's been a while since we've had consensus. Yes. That's, only, that's only because Luke and Richard are here. Yeah, well, that, I'm sure they'd have a lot more to say. Maybe they'll give us some feedback. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so that's a review of In Time. Two Luke's coming up next. War Room. Dun, dun, dun. This edition of War Room was actually a follow-on from our last episode's War Room, which was sci-fi predictions that did come true. So this one, we're actually going to do sci-fi predictions that haven't come true. Or as Richo puts it, where science has failed us. Yeah. Come on, science. Pick up your game. Science has failed to achieve. <laughs> we should sound a new one. Instead of little, little Lebowski urban achievers, you could have uh, little Lebowski science achievers. Yes. The little Lebowski science achievers, we will promote the name of any scientist that gives us the sci-fi predictions that we want. (laughs) Nice. And that's instantly cooler to be on our podcast. Absolutely. Forget winning things like the Nobel Prize for Sciences or Physics or anything like that. Or cracking the DNA code. (laughs) That's right, or solving the DNA code as the classic Blackenstein movie tells us. You win the Nobel Peace Prize, in fact, if you uh, break the DNA code. But anyway, we will yes, we will promote on our website any scientist that gives us cool sci-fi things and makes them fact. And like, he'll be forever known as the dude. Like the right. recent one who did the hovering object, so like the possibility, yep. the hoverboard is yep. from Back to the Future 2 is now a possibility. That's right. He will be our first ever dude. Little Lebowski science achievement. We'll put him in the show notes. Or her, whoever it was. I actually don't know if it was a boy or a girl. Whoever you are, you rock. (laughs) Okay, so we'll follow the same format from the last episode with a round-robin sort of approach, and we're going to start with me once again. Because your opinion is the one that counts. It's all about As we learned from the introduction. (laughs) David and the crew. (laughs) My first one was lightsabers, which I'm sure is no shock to uh, any of our listeners and anybody (gasps) who knows me. He has he has two fake ones in his room. I have three fake ones in my room. Well, four if you count ones double-ended. <laughs> That's right. I have Anakin's, Vader's, and Maul's. So there you go. And they're awesome. Uh, yeah, lightsabers. What what do I need to say, really? I mean, it's a sword made of energy. Cuts through anything. They look friggin' awesome. They sound awesome. Every kid that's ever known anything about Star Wars in any way, shape, or form has pretended to be using one. Please, make them. Make it happen. We can already do cybernetic hands, so if there are any accidents, we can fix that. (laughs) I just want to make a point. You want a whole bunch of people running around with um, a light... a torch-like instrument that allows them to project a deadly piece of... Not a whole lot of people. Just the people who have earned the right to use them by going through the Jedi training. Right, so you actually want Jedi (laughs) Academy training to go with your lightsabers. That's right, and I'll do it. Because let's face facts, if lightsabers actually existed, they would be in the hands of people going around randomly stabbing other people with their lightsabers the way that people often use knives. I'm not interested in the moral implications of them. I'm not a a scientist. I I, I don't care about the the wrongs and rights of it all. 
I just want to have a real lightsaber in my hand, swinging around. So really, we want all of the scientists and engineers out there to be working round the clock to design a lightsaber just so David can have one. <laughs> Forget about the cure for cancer. Lightsabers. <laughs> Okay, moving on to Richo with personal jetpacks. Yeah, I can't really pick on you too much about your lightsaber <laughs> ID, can I? So you don't have a personal jetpack like Bond's one. No, I'm talking about the ones that you see in things like the classic Flash Gordon serials and comics. I'm talking Rocket about where you, yeah, where you just strap it on your back, fire it up, and you can get to wherever you need to go with your personalised jetpack. Look, there are jetpacks available. You can spend, I think, $100,000 at the moment, and a company in New Zealand will design one for you, but they're not real jetpacks. You know, they're ones where you... It's a pack with a jet. What do you want? Yeah, but it's not like it's not one that you're going to be able to just strap on every day and fly yourself to work. I mean, that's that's the jetpack that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the nice, light, gets-you-wherever-you-need-to-go jetpack. I've always wondered, though, if you're wearing a jetpack, by nature, it's a jet, so there's a jet coming out of the pack... How does it not burn your bum? Well, see, so this is where <laughs> science has led us down. This is where they have failed to achieve. They should be able to design the jetpack that doesn't burn your bum. <laughs> and that's, that's... They should use some sort of anti-gravity type technology. Well, now that we've like... got our hover technology from yeah. our little Lebowski science achiever, what this is it. Make the jetpack happen. See, it all connects. Like Hawkman's inth metal wings. Exactly right. They don't burn his belt. Exactly right. <laughs> Wonder Man has those little ones strapped to his waist and they don't <laughs> burn his thighs when he's flying. Anything they did wouldn't matter because he's made of energy anyway. Yeah, but he's also got that safari suit to protect him. Personal jetpack with a lightsaber. Uh, perfect combination. Oh, and a ray gun. And a ray gun. You'd need the ray gun as well, I'm afraid. So, next up, Crystal, we have transporters. Okay, obviously anybody who's run late for anything has wished they'd had a transporter at some stage in their life. And how I, when I used to have a flip phone, how I wished I could say, you know, just beat me up, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would be cool. But see, there's, but, a prob- um, there's a problem with that. What happens if you get caught in a magnetic ionic storm <laughs> and find yourself you through just, a teleporter malfunction, stranded okay, in the evil Dr. universe? McCoy. You just reverse the polarity I'd and be, it's all good. I'd be more worried about creating the evil double of myself and then having to fight it for supremacy. <laughs> I want to live! (laughs) Well, transporters could be a far-off distant possibility. In 1998, physicists at Caltech successfully transported a photon. For those who don't know what a photon is, it's like a little particle of light. They were able to send it roughly a metre via coaxial cable. The problem with this is actually had to destroy the original in order to create the new one, or replicate the new one. What I want, I don't want to be destroyed. I just want to be transported as I am and arrive. There has as been I was. there has been attempts to transport actual matter as well. But yeah, look what that got us the fly. Yeah, well, unfortunately, the transport <laughs> of the matter then resulted in it just reappearing as kind of goo. I love that. the start of the fly movie where like he tries to transport the the animal and it's like it's inside out. Yeah, it's like the baboon. Or Dude, you failed. The problem with transporting matter is you've got to be able to measure it right down to the atomic scale. So, and the Heisenberg uncertainty principle kind of holds you back there. Bloody Caltech. Heisenberg. If it wasn't for his uncertainty principle, we'd have I'm uncertain about the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. Yeah, what, what's it all about? <laughs> what's it all about? He was uncertain. So that's <laughs> I can tell you, you the Heisenberg uncertainty principle states that you cannot simultaneously know the location and the speed of a particle. Which is a bit of uh, a pain if you're Can you guess? to transport it. Well, guessing it could be a problem if you want to end up in the same order at the other end of the transporter beam. 
Look, I'm really, happy, I'm happy to be re- re- reappear as a girl. If you don't want to be two vics, look, it's it's up to it's up to the scientists to work this out for us. I know. Dismiss Heisberg. <laughs> get to the facts. I know. Eventually, they'll find out that Heisenberg was wrong. That's well, right. See, Heisenberg failed. <laughs> they're they're certain in Heisenberg's uncertainty. <laughs> well, I'm not. <laughs> Caltech got around the Heisenberg principle using something called entanglement, which I won't go into great detail here. But I did find a really good article about this on How Stuff Works, which I'll post a link to. Go Caltech. See, they're not failing to achieve. It's still, though, they're still just transporting a photon and it's still... But the important thing is is that they're trying. They're working for us to make this happen. (laughs) Stings up, Luke, with the discovery of intelligent alien life. What I mean by intelligent life is um, I don't mean finding bacteria or microbes on distant planets they have theorized and they have speculated and they have found in certain cases that that is the case i'm talking a humanoid can actually have conversations with us via you know the interwebs and you know teleportation and things like that you know it's the what so they can say you can say you know what is this earth thing called kissing yes <laughs> like that. that's why we invented it so that you know we could have intergalactic pornography um, <laughs> not on ncp we don't this is family friendly entertainment um it's one of the really one of the staples of any space opera, space exploration show, book, comic, film. In that you know we get to space and we interact and we mingle with alien cultures and we start to form um, alliances, which I'll talk about later on because my third one's talking about Federation. Um, but that's that sort of been the the big disappointment, I guess. You know, where are these alien life forms? Why can't I talk to them? They've been trying to find signals um, from other life forms through. Um, SETI um, uh, and things like that and we've sent um, with the Voyager we sent the, um, the, the records with uh, the pictures of humanity the songs the greetings what have you but why haven't they responded yet Starman did promised you know, me a you, response yeah but look what but, happened to what? Starman and he responded and he got screwed what about all those scared. they what saw are, Starman and thought well bugger this what about all those hillbillies that are getting kidnapped in like <laughs> rural areas of the US and places like that maybe Cosmic hillbillies is what we've had to deal with, and they're just sticking to their own. <laughs> Cosmic hillbillies. <laughs> so maybe maybe UFOs are showing up, did but it, it's did, like the did, Beverly did, Hillbillies. Did, it's like, man, yeah. damn little green man, come down, bro. That's man. right. Maybe all those like um, you look ca- cute in those jumpsuits. Maybe all those cattle mutilations are just because the UFO people like to eat roadkill. I mean, anything's possible. Who doesn't like a barbecue? Barbecue. <laughs> There's been some speculation that, of course, there is no life in the universe that is as advanced as us but I say where's the fun in that not just where the, yeah not just with it is fun. very it's, arrogant it's, it's in, come on people the universe it's well, pretty big it's really really me. really big yeah. <laughs> one you of just the... think it's a long way down to the chemists well that's just peanuts in space <laughs> well I mean we, are, we, are, we do have the Goldilocks theory that area of space around uh, stars that scientists are looking at to try and find planets that are actually have the characteristics to sustain life. So that quest is ongoing, as you say. We've got things like SETI as well. So, look, I think it's a matter of time. I don't know how much time, but I think it's a matter of time before we discover that there is intelligent life somewhere out there. The problem with the Goliaths thing, you know, that they're looking for life as we know it. As we know from Star Trek, there is life, Jim, but not as we know it. <laughs> true, right. but you've got to That's start with what you know, I think. True. You've got to start with what you know. We, we we know the characteristics to look for on planets to have sort of carbon-based life like our own. And they have like found Earth-like so. planets. 
They have, yeah. And the, the yeah, the exploration is continuing. So I think it will happen. I just hope it happens while I'm still around. That's, that's sort of one of the downsides. But then no one will leave you. Well, no, that's true. Unless I'm a hillbilly. <laughs> but that's sort of one of the downsides. On one of the yeah. downsides of not discovering other life forms, which is not discovering, you know, other cultures and life forms different to our own and sort of mm-hmm. seeing what makes up this wonderful universe. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Carl Sagan. Yes, thank you, Carl Sagan. <laughs> Thank you, Luke. That was an interesting one. Let's move back to me again. Yeah. He's got this little mirror in front of him. <laughs> whenever he... How am I looking? I'm looking good. It's How actually looking it's actually Narcissist's <laughs> Culture podcast that we're doing with here. Nice. Uh, with my one on time travel. Now, time travel is an interesting one because who's, who's to say that it hasn't actually happened? It has, time travel doesn't exist. Well, where are the time travelers? Where, where, where are the time travelers? Um, but I actually don't think it's been accomplished yet and, uh, but I certainly do want to get to the point where we have things like Time Cop and who doesn't want to send Jean-Claude Van Damme hurtling through time I'd, I'd rather send him into the point of entropy um, <laughs> that's a bit rude I was um, thinking something more along the lines of the beautiful steampunky style design of H.G. Wells time machine would be the cool way to that's travel that's exactly right in so comfort time machine I mean obviously we wouldn't make the mistake of messing with the Mor- Morlocks but uh, it's time travel just for me is just, is just fascinating mm. and uh, mm. The ability to—I mean, even if it turns out that uh, well, the, you know, the theory that you couldn't actually go back, you could only—actually, you, you, no—you couldn't go forward. You could only go back. Mm. Um, it's, Quantum leap style. Mm. Yeah, which you know even that would be pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it's, who would want to go back and you know walk with the, the apostles and stop being an idiot, and, kid? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, go back into your own past. <laughs> oh yeah, go back in your own past and slap yourself silly for you know doing silly stuff and. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's, it's just uh, time travel for me is just is just one of the most most fascinating mm. uh, science fiction ideas and or just just science ideas and I I give in, I'd, I'd give up a lightsaber in order to do it. Would you I'd give say, up all three lightsabers? I'd give up all three. <laughs> I'd give up even if they invented real lightsabers. I'd give up a real lightsaber in order to therefore travel through time. Yeah, <laughs> a Tardis for a lightsaber. Kind of I way. know <laughs> what I would choose, and it unfortunately would not be the it would not be the lightsaber. I'd go back to a time where you know there's some rampant disease, <laughs> like the bubonic plague or something. We're dead. We but, you know. that we've already got. <laughs> I've always liked give back pieces. I've always liked the boo boo. I've always liked the idea of not necessarily being able to have to travel back there because obviously the inherent dangers, as we know from so many science fiction stories, of actually travelling back in time and accidentally altering things. But Stepping on a butterfly. Yeah, I personally, though, would love to be able to at least look back on time and see events as they actually occurred oh, so that we yeah. get a real proper understanding of what happened in history rather than what, you know, historians often writing, you know, hundreds of years later have told us about the winners events. winners ring for history. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, I'd like that's to be able to cool. look back and see what happened, you know, at the crucifixion or who shot John F. Kennedy or... So if know, we couldn't go back, we just, we'd just sit through like a controlled... It could be. Controlled well, camera or something. Even if it was just like the, the classic, you know, big TV screen where we, <laughs> we could just look back yeah, and see what happened. where's the image coming from, though? The guarding of... Okay, it's up, once again, it's up to the scientists to sort that sort of thing out. <laughs> I'm the dreamer here. They're the ones that have got to make it reality. Okay, let's move right along to Richo with Sentient Robots. Sentient Robots. Where is my personal robot? The one that is So you you say you you want robot slaves is what you say? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I want the robot that you can talk to, the one that can actually understand what it's doing, the robot that can then, you know, slowly evolve and try to take us over. And so the iRobots are the robots. The, uh, the iRobot robots, I think, would be fascinating. Data. I mean, yeah, Data. I mean, there are so many cool robots in science fiction. Oh, look, I'd even accept whiny C-3PO if they could actually give me a robot that was actually thinking and adapting and was its own life form. Would you prefer R2? I wouldn't be able to understand a word he said. <laughs> Unless it was just that magical thing where somehow people can just understand what Luke he said. Luke understands him because he's plugged it into his X-Wing. C-3PO. <laughs> well, that's right. You need him to interpret for us. But, um, I don't have C-3PO. If we we were promised... We, we were promised a culture where robots were there for us to serve our needs, yep. to, um, you know, to aid us in our own um, explorations and understandings of, of, the, of the world around us and to, you know, to often take up the menial labour so that we can actually be three thinking and, you know, evolve as a race as well. I want robots <laughs> that can do that. Did you see that? I want my three laws to actually come into play. And granted, that? they do. The, the scientists, the... Um, robotics people out there have actually adopted the three laws which i think is pretty amazing in their attempts to create sentient robot life but really just make it happen did i send you the link where they actually created a robot version of um philip k dick okay and you can actually talk to him and he'll he'll respond but it's quite limited because he Mm. sometimes gets it wrong but then uh, later on um while in transport his head got lost and as far as i know it's still missing you know, there's something cool about that. <laughs> there's a story in that. Yeah. You know, what happened to Robot Philip K. Dick's head? <laughs> They've come pretty close. I mean, you've got Deep Blue. I mean, that's that's pretty close. I mean, we would actually out to be able to calculate the possibilities and kind of semi-think. True, but that's not exactly sentience. No. I mean, sentience... For me, sentience isn't just being able to do something. It's being able to understand what you're doing. Yeah. Being interactive with it, Yeah. So Deep Blue was able to make calculations and then uh, process those calculations resulting in moves. Mm. But what I want is a, is a robot or a sentience that actually understands what it's doing yeah. um, the way that humans do. Like the Star Wars Destination Bartender. Mm, exactly right. So it's not just a Go case... for it, Kelly. Go for it. It's not just a case of being a logical program that can, can do these things. I want the robot that can actually look at the piece and go, I'm moving that piece here, and I understand what that actually means. Or decide just to pick up a piece and throw it at somebody. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. I want my sentient robots. Stop failing me. No, I just want something that I can program to, you know, go and kill the rest of humanity. You know. <laughs> That's harsh, man. You're harsh. You're harsh. So really, what you're okay, looking okay. at is... Last week, the world... last episode you were harsh. This episode you're harsh. What's going on? Two create... weeks later, you're still okay. in a bad mood. The world's harshest critic. <laughs> <laughs> so really, what you're saying is you want to create Skynet. Yeah. Effectively, yes. Yeah, last, last episode, you were all, all about Skynet. <laughs> now you're all about the Terminators. John yep. Connor's going to come and come down our door and kill Luke. <laughs> Not if I have my, you know, two, my T-1000, my T-800 and my T-X. You haven't invented TX. them yet. He's coming back from the future. Uh, you know but what, what the if TX they have lightsabers? So really what we need is the time travel part of this to be created as well. And we need to uh, deck out your Terminators with some lightsabers and maybe even jetpacks because then they can travel around. T-X, the most powerful of all of them. They got taken down like nothing. It was ridiculous. Um, by an older model. Uh, by an older <laughs> model. Seriously. That's right. The obsolete model took out the state of the art. Although the bit with the crane truck thing down the road was pretty cool. Mm. But the rest of it's terrible. So coming up next is Crystal with the holodeck. Okay, who doesn't want a holodeck? Um, 
in recent years we've made significant advances in virtual reality, but I don't really want a game that's totally immersive. I don't I don't want the inception effect where if it's so immersive, how can you ever know if you've come out of come out of reality come out of the game? So what I want is a holodeck like on Star Trek that you can walk into, you can interact but the whole time you know you're in a holodeck, but it still feels real. But anytime you want to you can say arch and exit. Awesome. Would you take off the safety protocols so the guns were real? I'm First sure. contact style? I'm no Jean-Luc. <laughs> Maybe if I was being attacked by the Borg, I might take that. <laughs> With the Tommy gun? I think, I think this is actually the one that's probably the going to come about first. I mean, if you look at uh, you know virtual reality technology and you look at the interactiveness of you know modern computer games and video games, things like that, mm-hmm. I actually think this is the one that the technology is maybe not quite there yet, but yep. I actually think that they're moving progressively towards this. So I actually think of our predictions here, I actually think that the holotech one is probably the one that's going to become reality the quickest. And it's practical too. I mean, you don't use it for games. You can use it for training scenarios, learning, education. Let's face facts. Like the internet, most people will use it for porn. Bar. <laughs> but at least it'll be there for us to use it for other reasons. You know, you know, it's pretty sad. It's a pretty sad set of affairs when even Star Trek uses it for. Well, I think they just acknowledge human nature when it comes to this kind of technology. Ah, <laughs> oh, gee. And then episode with Riker and the holodeck woman, the, the jazz bar. Oh, it's come yeah. on, people. But what about the yeah. one with Moriarty? That was cool. Yeah, the one Moriarty one's awesome. Geordie falls in love with that. Uh, holodeck version of that woman as well yeah. in an episode. And then so. meets the real one. And, and that meets the real one she can't stand him. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> well, then, right. well, then, there's, then there's, of course, the downside of that, which is Barclay. Yeah, it's true, the holodeck addiction. Holodeck addiction. So there are pitfalls to having this technology. <laughs> but still, but make it so. You see, Star Trek's already awesome. explored the pitfalls for us. That's right, that's we, true. we know. Mistakes. That's right. We just, we need so scientists, make it so. That was awesome. Okay, so on to Luke with Utopia or post-apocalyptic futures. Either way. Either way. Yeah, now, there's a bit of a difference between the two. Hedge of bets. There is a bit of a difference between the two. And this is where we sort of get to be a little bit more philosophical. It depends on your bet because, you know, we could be living in Utopia, but God damn it, I was promised tall, glistening spires that reach to the heavens and... and um, one I think world it's pretty government. safe to say we're not living in Utopia. This is, this is your way of sneaking in two things. <laughs> Stuck in the next yeah. yeah, I always do that. <laughs> well, obviously, you did you not read yeah. the rules? <laughs> rules? <laughs> I say puh to yeah, rules. The, humans. the utopian ideal promised us an end to things like war, an end to disease. Yeah. Um, you know, humans um, exploring intellectual pursuits. Um, you know, there's sentient so, robots. Sentient <laughs> robots. Yeah, really, so much of the things that we've been talking about are meant to be part mm. of the utopian ideal. Mm. So, why did you also sneak in the post-apocalyptic future? Well, to go the other way, because by now you should technically be living in you know a Mad Max style <laughs> scenario. Well, supposedly this uh, recent arrival of Comet Alanon was meant to hide the planet X Nibiru, which was also going to destroy the world. Was that Unfor- the unfortunately, um, Comet Alanon passed by the sun, got hit by solar radiation and broke up into tiny little harmless pieces. So, thus, not ending the world in any way. Fortunately, we still have 2012 to look out for. That's uh, right. End of the world. Next the year. Book your dates now, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> look, um, it might be cynical of me to say this, but I feel that we're probably closer to the end of the world scenario than we are to <laughs> Utopia. But Utopia would be nice, wouldn't it? Mm. We'd get kind of boring, though, after a while. 
Yeah, that's what they often say in yeah. the books and things, but yeah. let's face facts. I'd rather live in the utopia than not live in the utopia. Yeah, and then we go on to space and find Rimworld. Exactly mm. right. So back to me again with organ regrowth from a pill. Yeah, this is, uh, <laughs> this is uh, pretty specific, but there's a classic scene in Star Trek The Voyage Home where they go back in time to get the whales, and I won't bore you with the details, <laughs> but... Uh, uh, there's a scene where Chekhov gets injured, so and he gets taken to hospital. So they all go off to hospital to save him. And uh, while they're there, McCoy gives an elderly lady a pill that lets her regrow a kidney. And uh, there's like a classic bit of dialogue where it's like, "Doctor gave me a pill, and I grew into a kidney." And the doctors are back and like, "What the hell's going on?" Doctor gave me fully a functional, pill. yeah, fully functional. It's just called. I don't know for some reason that scene sticks in my head. And uh, just on that scene, just quickly, I've always loved his reaction to to, to you know her plight. Yeah, kitty. What they still have a problem with that? <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's barbarism. And it's like I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the dark ages. You know, classic McCoy type stuff and dearly, dearly missed. So uh, yeah, so orbit regrow from a pill. Where is it, people? Doctor McCoy has it. Come on. So uh, yeah, well done, Dave. Well, along those sort of St- Doctor McCoy comes from the future. They haven't invented time travel yet. That's true, but so when is that? That was so. When's the Star Trek universe during the Kirk years? It's like like twenty three or something. Twenty third, yeah. So twenty fourth century, but twenty three. Yeah, so we're not too far away. Come on, we're surely we're close. Along those lines, I'd also like the little scanner thing that just you run a light over a broken bone and it just repairs, yeah, it you know, the or the a wound, an open wound. You just run the light over it and it heals as well. So, oh yeah, we like knits the flesh together. Yeah. Awesome. So I think we can expand this one into just really all all fields of uh, of medicine. You know, there's so many things that we could do so easily in our utopian society <laughs> that we can't actually achieve just yet. <laughs> So, next up is Richo with the classic flying cars. Flying cars. We are meant to be at a point right now where roads... We don't need roads. <laughs> Hover conversion. That's right. We're meant to just be flying around over the tops of uh, the buildings and everything in our flying cars. Yeah. And... We don't even have a car that could get really get off the ground just yet in any major capacity, let alone one that actually zooms around above the building. Personal flying vehicles are just a staple of just about every science fiction story. But like I mean, Crystal's, our... Crystal's favourite Jetsons, all the way up to, you know, back Yeah, where's our speeder bikes? Yeah, the speeder bikes, that'd be where's awesome. Where's speeder bikes? Or, um, Although you get a lightsaber and take or the, it Or the little yeah. land speeder as yeah. well, you know. Um, I'd prefer a speeder bike over that land speeder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, the speeder bikes are cooler. The speeder bikes are cooler. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, we, we were promised flying cars, and we don't have flying cars. Why don't we have flying cars? In fact, what we need is our personally parking from our last episode. We need our, our self-parking flying cars. <laughs> self-parking flying cars, that'd be awesome. <laughs> well, which there actually is like, uh, an attempt at a flying car. In, uh, in the 70s, there was actually a man who invented a, 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 like an add-on to the car. The, so the idea was that you would drive to the airport and then add on these wings and the tail and it would actually then have like flight controls in the cockpit as well. Fantastic. Then you'd take off, fly to the next destination, you'd detach the wings and the, and the tail and then drive away. It was actually it was an awesome idea and uh, highly recommend checking out some pictures on the web. It was actually called the, the AVE Mizar or something to that effect, I'm not too sure. But uh, unfortunately, I mean, there's a bit of a sad note to the story, but uh, on one of the test flights for that device, he actually... Uh, one of the struts broke and he crashed into the earth and unfortunately lost his life. But, Killed by his own invention. But the idea itself, awesome. Well, I've got to say, I, I respect 
his attempt to make this a reality. What are the rest of you out there doing? <laughs> Why aren't you following his lead? Where's my flying car? So quite, not quite the flying DeLorean style, but hey. No, but it's a start. It's a good start. And they've, been, they've come up with prototypes and models um, that, over the, particularly within the last, I think, 10 to 15 years, they've, they've sort of been trying to build models and prototypes for this reason, but you've just got to, you've also got, almost got to treat it like a miniature, miniature plane. Yeah. Which means you've got to get the balancing right, you've got to get the weight right, you've got to get thrust yeah. right, and things like that. And you've also got to get the propulsion system right, because for something like a car at the moment, they've got to actually have pretty bulky motors. So really what you're saying is is that hover technology needs to be properly applied mm-hmm. to to the car. Yep. Well, we've got a submarine car from from Bond. That's true. The Lotus. That's true. So the we'll Lotus submarine car. car. Exactly right. And Cars it, should be able to take us anywhere we want to go. And they should slightly transform like in that cartoon mask. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, transform into Transformers with us inside them. Oh, let's not go that far. <laughs> <laughs> so we're getting our, turning our flying cars back into sentient robots. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so next up we have Crystal with starships like the Enterprise. Well, I think that's the ultimate, isn't it? We, we want a starship that's uh, got... Artificial gravity, it's got replicators that can feed you, it can take you to another star in the blink of an eye, there's no relativity effect or anything like that. But we basically want a city in space that we can travel around in. Absolutely right. I know, awesome, like, awesome anti-gravity, not the, not the fake one where they just roll the spaceship so they sort of... No, no, none of these go both through things. We want to be able to just walk around and turn the gravity down if we're feeling a bit tired. Yeah. I want to be able to hop into my flying car or strap on my jetpack, zoom up to my starship, <laughs> climb on board and travel through hyperspace or through the wormhole or whatever it is we've got to go through oh, to get yeah, to yeah, a Luke of cheating would throw it in the uh, post-apocalyptic chamber, but you've got Starship, so you've got the Starship that travels through hyperspace, replicators, a holodeck, <laughs> and grav, and uh, Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg in a bar. Like Crystal said, we want the city in space that will take us wherever we want to go. Weapon systems, don't forget the photon torpedoes and the lasers. That's assuming they're a, a tractor beam. A, 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 a yeah, well, we, yeah, we're going to have to find that that sentient life out there as well, <laughs> or at least get our uh, sentient robots that, to stuff, rebel. That stuff always gets installed on Tuesday. Any matter and matter. Well, ridiculous. <laughs> You're a cheater. I accuse you of cheating. No, I got to support Crystal one hundred percent here. We want we want our starships to be decked out with all of the other technologies that we've been talking about already. <laughs> Source of separation. Well, Crystal didn't mention that. Didn't mention that. No, like, no, sorry, no, like. yeah, I'm, totally, I'm totally geeked out. Now you're just making you've stuff up totally yourself. Geeked out. <laughs> but but I think it's, it's not necessary it's unless you've got Deanna Troy flying your ship. Yeah, Deanna, you just go back there and uh, we'll source a separate and see you later. No, that's where, the, um, that's where the, the malfunctioning and the teleportation happens, where they don't quite get it right. You know, yeah. you can just sort of just say, yep, she's been down to the planet. Why is it really Well, I think really where's Wesley crushes Wesley. the one that's got to go. Yeah, I want to crush him in my starship. Because Wesley fine. leaves after season five. Diana stays. Yeah, but then you have the awesome episode of Diana as the Romulan. That's an awesome episode. That was pretty cool. Mm. I haven't got to that one yet. <laughs> okay, so finish it up. We have Luke, who's in the middle of a rage at the moment, so I'm a bit, bit scared how this is going to go, with interstellar holidayization. Alright, this is sort of getting on from, you know, discovering alien life form, our things on, you know, and pretty much coming directly off what Crystal has just said with wanting starships by now, which is, by now, we're also meant to be off 
not just on the moon, not just upon Mars, but where it's meant to be out in the wider galaxy, just exploring, going where, going where no, boldly where no man has gone before. That was story on PC of you should be where no one has gone before. I quote from the show. Thank you very much. <laughs> the, the next generation. He, he drove, Yeah, he quotes from old school. Old school. I'm sorry. Um, so you mean the United Federation flats? Yeah, uh, uh, not even just, uh, the, uh, the Federation is the extension of that, where we all sort of go out and meet other races and form a United Nations type deal with the rest of the galaxy. But also the very idea of just going, of leaving our planet, the thing that we have been familiar with for billions of years, millions of years, not billions, we haven't been around for billions, millions of years, and going off and actually seeing what's out there um, in the wider cosmos. You know, not seeing you know other planets other cosmic alignments, other star formations, and exploring, you know, gaseous nebula clouds, seeing the wonder of the universe, which is what science fiction has been doing um, for centuries now, you know, starting with, you know, Johannes Kepler and going through Cyrano de Bergerac, right up through till, you know, War of the Worlds, where the aliens come to us, then John Carter, the Lensman stuff, and Captain Future, up till, you know, Flash, Star Trek, Star Wars, and beyond. Um, it's been one of the staples and one of the things that sort of kept humanity going um, the need to explore and find out what else has gone there and we've explored our planet but you specifically say interstellar colonization so you mean spreading humans around Sp the universe yes absolutely like absolutely and it's, you know we need <laughs> Space to we, need, we can't we can't just explore at the wider we've got we've got to start living out there too mm. um, we've got to change our ways of course we don't do what we've done to this planet and you know hopefully in my lifetime we'll have Mars colony Mars mm. obviously I won't be able to go because by then I'll be an old man but Ah, but then if, if, uh, if medicine has extended lifespans, the way it's also meant to. <laughs> or time travel. But look, um, exactly oh, right. Time travel, yeah. But um, look, Stephen Hawking has told us that we've only got 150 to 200 years before we've got to get off the planet. Mm. Because by that point, the planet will be exhausted. So we've got to hurry up. We've got to make this happen. Mars we've got to start awesome. building mm. Martian princesses. We've got to build colonies on the moon. We've got to build colonies on Mars. And then just keep going. Yeah. Do not, do not stop. Just keep going. We've got to spread out across the galaxy or else we're screwed. And Carl Sagan also said pretty much something similar, which is that we've used, we're using the resources of the planet at an unsustainable rate um, and we need to get out there as well and see what's what. Use up the rest of the universe. Exactly. So it's not just a matter of this being a dream and something we want. It's actually something that's got to happen. So there you have it, people. Sci-fi predictions that we want to come true and because we want it. They better come true. Do not and, fail us. And because we want it, you want it too. <laughs> it's uh, It was very interesting. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of fun. So thank you very much, guys. So coming up next, we actually have a competition. So as I promised uh, from our last competition, we're actually going to have another one. And this one's a pretty cool one. I think I'm quite proud of this one. Uh, we're actually going to give away a $50 iTunes voucher. Uh, which you can spend on anything from the iTunes store. We've got lots of cool stuff on there. Music, movies, the whole deal. Other, you know, podcasts. Some people charge for their podcasts. Can you believe that? That's crazy. Disgusting. Not no culture podcasts, though. We give it to you for free. That's right. All we, this quality. We give it up for free at Nerd Culture Podcast. You're just great. <laughs> you wanted a slogan. So all you need to do to win this awesome prize is to rate and review us on iTunes. So this isn't a game of chance. The winner will be decided by us and will be judged on its content. Uh, so we don't care if it's actually for us or against it. I mean, we actually we would appreciate some constructive criticism. So as, as long as as long as it's uh, the opinion that you have is constructive and gives us some an idea of you know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, whatever the case may be, or if, you know of course you just love us and just rave about us, that's awesome. Or if you don't like it at all, 
you know, pay and say that. But like I said, as long as it's constructive, um, we'd love to hear from you and and we can only make it better. A negative argument, negative but ones are good because it gives us something to argue against. Yeah. <laughs> I like arguing. <laughs> as we've just discovered. Um, so, you know, no haters, please. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, some some feedback on iTunes. So rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, this competition is actually going to go to the end of the year, so we'll actually reveal the winner on our December 18 uh, podcast, which is uh, episode 15. You've got a bit of time. Don't you know? Don't feel that you need to rush, but jump on there. And hey, subscribe while you're on there. Why not? Yeah, I mean, you're probably already subscribed anyway, but um, subscribe, and uh, the more subscribers we get, the higher up in the rankings we get, and... Uh, you know, iTunes is cool, so we're higher up in the rankings. We automatically become cool. So just like uh, last episode where we had the interview, the very, very brief interview with Frank Cho, uh, we've actually now uh, got another s- sort of special treat with my yet again brief interview with Fred Van Lente. Thank you. Thank you for talking to us. So, um, just for our listeners, can you just give a, just a bit of a heads up on who you are, what you've been doing? Sure, my, my name is Fred Van Lenti. I write primarily comic books. Uh, I've run a lot of stuff for Marvel, including uh, Alpha Flight at Perk with Greg Pak. Uh, I've done Marvel Zombies, I've done Amazing Spider-Man, I've done Iron Man Legacy. I also like to write, uh, I also have a bunch of creator-owned series, uh, probably the best known of which are my non-fiction books I do with uh, Ryan Dunlavey. Uh, Action Philosophers is the... Yeah, awesome. Yes, is the, uh, is the uh, thanks, is the... Uh, Lives and Thoughts of History's A-List Brain Trust, told in hip and humorous comic fashion. Yes. And uh, we're following it up. Uh, the final issue will be out on November 2nd of a series called Comic Comics, okay. which is the history of comics as a comic. Excellent. Uh, and uh, An and excellent I, concept. The history of comics as a comic. Exactly. Which, <laughs> well, you know, had never been done before, to our knowledge. Uh, and that's me. Excellent. And I'm here in Melbourne and really digging it. Oh, very So, you be, did you get a chance to walk around and... No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've been here for 24 hours. <laughs> But when the con ends, we're gonna we're gonna be here a couple days. So. Oh, okay. So Frank as well. And, yep, yep. yep. And the guys. So, what made you decide to come to the the, the convention? Well, you know, they asked me. Uh, Bill Willingham was supposed to show up, but uh, they they didn't. And I know they asked a lot of people in comics, and I was the only one crazy enough to say yes to go to Australia and New Zealand for two weeks with two weeks' notice. Oh, that's but, not too bad. Uh, no, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, you know. <laughs> I just got back from New Zealand actually. From my honeymoon, it was excellent. You'll love Congratulations. it. Congratulations. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Um, so if you could write, I mean that's a huge range of uh, things that you've written, so if you could write anything in particular, like a dream project, not counting the one, the dream project you've already done, which right. is stream, which is Action Philosophers, which right. is great, um, what would that be? Well I'm doing a couple dream projects right now uh, with a terrific new artist named Sarah Alexic, who uh, just had a, her first book come out from Oni called Ivy. We're doing a project called Renaissance, it's a historical, it's similar to Action Philosophers and it's history based. But it's a it's a dramatic fiction about Machiavelli, uh, Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, the woman will become the Mona Lisa, the Borgias, and all that bunch, awesome. uh, murdering and having sex with each other and, and painting each other in uh, 16th century uh, Italy. Cool. Uh, and we're so chugging along on that right now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so we're chugging along on that. First issue can. We're uh, second issue is half penciled. So that hopefully. We're uh, going to explore web comics with that. I think we're going to do it online, but uh, more on that soon. Okay. I love historical fiction, so I'm doing a lot more of that. Yeah, I'm a big fan as well. Yeah. Um, so, what would you say would be your influences? That's a great question. Particularly uh, with action philosophers and comic comics, I, uh, you know, in the, in the history stuff, is I love Jack Jackson, also known as Jackson, who's generally considered to be the first uh, underground cartoonist. He wrote a, and drew a lot of great books about 
uh, the history of Texas, like Los Tejanos and uh, Comanche Moon and a lot of great books like that. He passed away a couple years ago. He's a huge influence on me. Because he used a lot of humor. I mean, he had like Native American characters speaking in sort of colloquial, you know, modern colloquialisms, and he broke down a lot of walls. And, and, and he was such a terrific artist. His style was sort of crumb-esque and just very detailed and just a terrific. I mean, I'm not very familiar with, but I'll, I'll no, he's terrific. I, I think Fanagraphics is coming out with a new edition of Los Tejanos oh, shortly, so every, that'll be in Diamond soon. Excellent. Awesome. Um, and a bit of a weird question: If you suddenly lost all of your memories, all right, but you're allowed to have one one back, they can retrieve one more memory. Okay. What would that memory be? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be totally uncooperative. My apologies, and give you a, a sort of a, a evasive answer in that I, I very much strongly believe in living for the moment and sort of uh, and not living each moment as if you realize, but sort of savoring what you're doing and, and not living too much in the past and not living for the future but living for the, the, the present day and, and, and being in love with that and I think as long as you're doing that you're going to be a happy person you know uh, whether you're whether you, regardless of what you do for work or whether you're spending time with your family and, and loved ones I think that that's that's what you need to be doing right now and uh, and how's that my memory would be the memory of coming to that realization so that way when I lost my memory I would know to do that and it'd be like a loop Exactly. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you. Coming up next, coming soon. So coming soon covers the movies that are coming to the local Cineplex in between this episode and the next. Uh, November 10, we have Shark Night. So yet another shark go on a rampage and kill you know, nubile young teens. The important thing is that they've created a completely new and original idea. <laughs> Frankly, I don't see how this could top the masterpiece that is Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> what about Piranha in 3D? <laughs> oh, that Piranha film is just atrociously bad. But this Shark Knight is a completely original <laughs> idea, and that's the important thing. Come on, Deep Blue Sea's got that awesome bit where... Uh... Samuel Jackson makes this speech going, and then gets his crazy. Bitten off. <laughs> and that fantastic LL Cool J song. I'm a killer, <laughs> a deep blue thriller. <laughs> okay, it's terrible. Uh, November 17 sees the release of the latest Twilight uh, <laughs> Abomination, uh, Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1. I'm just not angsty enough for Twilight, I don't think. We're, uh, you know, Edward and Bella get together and have a baby. There's no spoiler alert there because. Anybody who's interested already knows that. Oh, gee, the drama <laughs> of the story makes me want to go and see this piece, of, this masterpiece of cinema. Oh my! Just Sorry. a quick, just a quick point on this is hilarious. We were watching TV the other night, and uh, the trailer for this movie came on, and you burnt down your TV in protest. I would never burn down my awesome TV. Now the trailer comes on, and then, funnily enough, it only goes for it only went for I kid you not five seconds, and then it cut to an ad mm-hmm. of something completely unrelated. Then come back to the trailer for like 10 seconds, went to an ad, and then come back again and finish up the trailer. It's just an absolute bizarre piece of, of uh, advertising. I just Very I clever, don't, though. I don't understand it. But yeah, it's been any Twilight fan instantly riveted to then see the three ads yeah, in between. Yeah, that's brilliant advertising it's, strategy. Just, and they, but they had no relation to the film in any way, shape, or form. It was, just, it was very, very strange, Can but it, very well done. Can I just ask one quick question? Who are Edward and Bella? The two main characters. Oh, right. Edward okay. Cullen, the vampire, and Bella, the main girl. Bella yeah. Swan, isn't it? Yeah, Bella Swan. I love that Twilight, guys. <laughs> Big fan. Oh, it's awful. Oh, yeah. Um, and also, NCP's favourite cinema, The Aster, is showing uh, the usual uh, slew of films through that period. 
Uh, highlights for me would be the double feature of Captain America and Thor on November 11, which we reviewed on the show, so check out our reviews. Uh, and both of the Harry Potter Deathly Hallows films, so parts one and two of the Deathly Hallows, uh, on November 19, which I won't be rushing off to see, but that's still pretty cool if you want to see the, the epic in one shot. Uh, they also have, and like I said, a whole bunch of other films. So check out their full listings at www.astatheatre.net.au. So don't forget you can contact us by email at feedback at nerdculturepodcast.com or post us on Facebook, uh, www.facebook.com forward slash nerdculturepodcast or tweet at at nerdculturecast or you can leave a comment on any of the stories or posts on our website at www.nerdculturepodcast.com and don't forget our awesome competition where you can rate and review us on iTunes to win a $50 iTunes voucher. Next episode, we have Dust Jacket, Stranger in a Strange Land by Robert Heinlein, and the featured discussion on our top five science fiction vehicles. I've already mentioned uh, quite a few. Flying uh, cars. Cleo, flying cars, the Enterprise. TARDIS. Yeah, in the previous episode, we mentioned you know, Kit. And, you know, so yeah, so that'll be very interesting. So the NCP crew's top five vehicles. So that's it for episode 11. Thanks from me, and thanks from the crew. Richard. Still waiting for my jetpack. Crystal. Bye. And Luke. We should be in space by now. (laughs) (laughs) Damn you all to hell. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. This is weird, but damn, is my voice sexy.